Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. I am Ben Rothenberg, and I am delighted on this week's episode to be joined by a friend of mine, Katrina, aka Return Winner on Twitter. Katrina, we were just talking before we were starting on when exactly we met, because I feel like I've known you, you're one of the 10 people I've known for a long time, and your relevance to this week's episode or will become clear sooner. But we first met sometime probably at Australian Open qualifying, something like that, because you're a Melbourneian. Let's start with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think I was tweeting about Donald Young's um, mother being at his practice and or being at his qualifying match and like kind of trying to encourage him in a very kind way, but he was not reacting very well and like kind of telling her to shut up. <laughs> and I think I was sitting next to her and I was live tweeting it because it was like quite funny. <laughs> and then I think that that was the day that you followed me, probably because of those tweets. <laughs> I'm always, anyone who's ever providing like eyes on the ground or ears on the ground and qualifying is always a very important dear person to me as a reporter because so many, <laughs> so many wild things can happen in qualifying that go completely Completely unreported, completely missed. And yeah, I think we've met shortly after that. And I've seen you. You're, you've been an annual fixture of my uh, my trips to Melbourne. We famously, somewhat famously, and it's kind of relevant to this episode in a weird way, we we worked together a bit on researching Darko Grancharov back in the day, back in 2018, I guess that was. Yeah. Many good times together. And I'm delighted you are here on the show. So thank you for being here. No problem. Uh, we are mostly here because this episode is going to talk a bit about the nature of fandom in tennis and more specifically often Novak Djokovic fandom and <laughs> you are a uh, a very devoted Novak Djokovic fan or you have been for a long time and so I'm just curious if you can sort of tell your story of how you got into tennis how you started following Novak and what your sort of yeah how, how you became invested in, in Novak Djokovic as, as a fan yeah well um I became a fan like Basically, like I think the night that I saw him play Federer in 2008 Australian Open semifinal. Mm -hmm. um, and previously, like I'd kind of gone to the tennis because living in Melbourne, like you just kind of go if your family's into tennis and my, mine is. So I would, would kind of always go to the tennis, but I wasn't really invested in any kind of player. I guess like if I would say that I would like want any pl particular player to win, I would say it would be Federer because that was a player that I knew most well, <laughs> mm -hmm. which, you know, might, might surprise some people now, given my like <laughs> feeling I, towards you, Roger. You're not a, you're not a Roger fan to put it lightly, but that's okay. No, I mean, I'm not. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I have a lot of opinions about Roger and not all of them are particularly nice or kind. But basically, like the when I saw Novak, I think he had like an interaction with like Pascal Maria during that match, who gave him like a time violation at, to, mm -hmm. at like a bit of an awkward moment, and he kind of like kind of gave. If you if you're a fan of Novak, you'll be familiar with like a, a bit of a death stare that he has. Mm -hmm. So he kind of had a really interesting attitude that I don't think a lot of players at the time had. So that was kind of why like how I first became a fan of him. Like I actually hadn't, I didn't actually get to see him until. Uh, Hopman Cup 2011 because there would be things that would happen like I think one year I had tickets to uh, a, a, like a night where he was playing but I was on Rod Laver and he was on uh, Hisense mm -hmm. so 
I ended up watching Leighton Hewitt <laughs> while Novak was playing against, um, I don't know, some random. So but, so the actually, the first time that I saw him was 2011 Hotman Cup, where he just shaved his head because <laughs> they oh, had I won. Um, That's right. Yeah. God, it was awful. <laughs> and um, so then that was the first time I saw him, but I didn't really interact with him because I'm not particularly like, I don't go up to players. Like, I'm not really interested in selfies or autographs or anything like that. But you, to, to be clear, you, you you had been sort of following and tracking his results between these two times seeing him in person, yeah? Between oh, 2008 yeah. and between 2011, yeah. Yeah, I think I joined Twitter in 2010, um, which was like Novak's probably worst season, <laughs> um, at least for like the, the first, I don't know, eight months of it. So like I was not in uni at the time and I was kind of like working a little bit, but it wasn't particularly fulfilling. So for me, ten, like watching, like being really obsessed with Novak was like, a good outlet for my interest. And just to get more into this, because it's obviously I have many, many positive feelings about Novak and obviously you do too. And I want to focus on that definitely to build the foundation for this episode. So what was it about Novak that drew you towards him so much? I mean, you mentioned this sort of death stare, but was, was that it? Was that the one was sort of love at first death, death stare? Or was it uh, something else about his persona that kept you kept you getting attached and getting invested in following him and, and tracking him and thinking he was worth, you know, uh, keeping up with as a fan? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, like, like the way that I kind of engage in fandom is I tend to like players that are not necessarily fan favorites. I find it really off-putting when, like, certain players are, like, pushed on you as, like, oh, this guy's a fan favorite. Like, I really don't like Songa because he was really pushed as, like, this guy's so great with fans and things like that. And I didn't like that he was being pushed on me. And, I mean, if you're a Novak fan, you'll know that, like, the perception, at least, is that the media does not push Novak on people. I mean, if anything, yeah. they tell you to like run in the opposite direction. So I guess like that, there's kind of like um, maybe like a bit of mystery that was there. Like what I really liked about his run in 2008 was that the crowd was so against him, especially during the Songa match, because Songa was, I think, kind of like a bit of the, like like I said, I mean, the, the fan favorite. And he was like this unknown. Yeah. And, and an underdog, yeah. Yeah, and like people really wanted Songa to win. And I couldn't really figure out why they were so against Novak. <laughs> so for me, like, I kind of had this thing where I like to go against, like, the, the direction the crowd is going in. Sure. <laughs> it's a bit of, like, a contrarian kind of streak, unfortunately. So that was kind of, like, why I got invested in Novak. And then, like, throughout the rest of his, I mean, especially between, like, 2008, 2010, he didn't really have a lot of moments where the like the crowd was like particularly on his side. I mean, if you think back to the Andy Roddick match oh, yeah. in 2008 US Open, <laughs> where I think Andy had said something about kind of a sarcastic thing, but also not really because they also actually don't like each other. And he had said something about Novak having like 27 injuries, SARS, bird flu, whatever. Common cold. I remember that. <laughs> and, yeah, and Novak, because Novak had a reputation at that point, at least among Andy Roddick, for one, mm. of you know, of talking too much or sort of leaning into injuries too much, and that was a a knock against him early in his career that he was like a fragile, that you know he would retire from matches more than other players liked, or that he would talk about illnesses or whatever. And yeah, so yeah, this match where Roddick trash talks him, and then he. Then Djokovic beats him in a night match. I think quarterfinals. I want to say at the uh, yeah, o- yeah. at the O eight Open and mm-hmm. and the crowd and, and Novak sort of egged on the crowd in the encore interview afterwards, and they started booing him. And that was sort of in a lot of ways. That was yeah, like Novak sort of more overt heel turn to use a wrestling term. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Novak said something like, I was really happy to beat him on his own turf <laughs> something, or mm-hmm. something to that effect, which is probably not going to get a bunch of like rowdy New Yorkers on your side. But I kind of like that because I think, you know, I like to see that kind of tension between players. So, you know, for me, that was like, great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is, like, no. definitely and, my guy. <laughs> and I think and I think Novak definitely has that energy in a lot of ways. And those are some of, honestly, my favorite Novak, Novak moments, too is where Novak just sort of is a little bit more death stare or middle finger to the world about everything about, like you said, this, like, cause he never, cause you talked about him not getting the fans in oh, 08 Australia. I mean, really unfortunate for him. That's been the story of pretty much his whole career since too, is he has never become the crowd darling and that his ability to, to fight through that and to weather that and to win in spite of that, or to spite that, you know, is mm. something that I've, I found really fun in a lot of ways is his to be as his challenge uh that he's been dealt in this world for a lot of relatively arbitrary reasons also i think we can get into why people said they don't like novak in a bit but i think that um yeah like my my, one of my favorite novak moments is uh 2014 world tour finals when he won that semi-final against (laughs) nishikori and he uh and the crowd was so for nishikori the whole time nishikori who's like with your respect to Nishikori, there's no reason for a London crowd to be going as nuts for Nishikori as they were that day, except for just out of animus towards Djokovic. And Djokovic won and got handed the pen to sign the camera and just, like, drew, like, a small dot on the lens and walked away. And it was a wonderful, <laughs> beautiful protest of him saying, I'm over all of you people and goodbye. That I just, I don't know, I found that really, really sort of, uh, <laughs> yeah, again, endearing and charming and defiant in a lot of ways that I you know, I see similarities to myself in that. Certainly, I hope I, I am, you know, some of my prouder moments, I feel like are when I don't care what people think, and just sort of, you know, can stick up for myself. And yeah, so I, I, I gravitate towards that a lot. And I get the sense, obviously, that you're similar with Novak in terms of some of your favorite Novak moments. It is kind of those, you know, moments of uh, being undaunted. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I think there was like the Edmund match at Wimbledon, I I want to say like 2017 or something like mm-hmm. that, where like, you know, obviously Novak is playing against an English player, but there was no reason he wasn't doing anything to make people angry, but they were being so awful to him, you know, and I think rightfully, he, he, you know, he has a right to get angry and frustrated at that. And I think at one point they were really being quite aggressive towards him and he started blowing them kisses while like, while beating Edmund. <laughs> <laughs> and like, personally, like I know for some people, like, they see that and they think, oh, he's so classless. But I'm like, isn't that the human thing to be angry that you're not doing anything wrong, but you're being, you know, yelled at? <laughs> Can I just say, there's, also something, there's also something specifically galling, having been in these stadiums with a really partisan Wimbledon crowd, because mm. Wimbledon uh, acts like they're so above the fray in terms of this. They're like, oh, yes, we just need to applaud gentlemen and good shot making and da 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 da. But yet, when they have some Brit who they've invested in, who they think has like a chance of a real meaningful win, and the one that strikes out to me most, jumps out to me most in this scenario is when Heather Watson nearly beats Serena. <laughs> like, they, it was the loudest stadium I've been in, very possibly, in Dennis mm. in all my time there. They were so loud, so like i don't want to say bloodthirsty is too much but like so (laughs) incredibly loud and just just, like throwing people yelling and cheering for heather 
against Serena. And that's Serena, you know, turned to the crowd and did a little finger wag and said, don't try me at one point. Like she also you know, was <laughs> bristled by this too. And yeah. And so, and so, yeah. So, and Novak has that all the time. The only reason I hesitated on saying Heather Watson and Serena was allowed a stadium is because I was also in the stadium, I guess it was 2015 U.S. Mm. Open final, Federer Djokovic, which oh, was God. crazy, which was the, one of the most partisan atmospheres ever. And it's for, <laughs> Roger is not American. And, you know, theoretically, this should be a neutral ground for this match, but it mm. had been like rain delayed by like, I think three hours or so before that match mm. started. So a lot of people in the stands had time to go drink for those three hours to kill time. <laughs> and so they were an even rowdier group than they normally would be. And yeah, and that like Novak was able to weather that storm and win despite having, you know, literally generously 1% of that crowd of 22,000 people on his side mm. was something, yeah, again, that's a, it makes the achievement, I'm sure, all the sweeter. And I think that that was actually your pinned tweet for a long time was the moment of him winning that match. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah those, those are the sort of things that, you know, and whether or not Novak should embrace being a quote-unquote villain or not, I don't think is really relevant to things, but this is just how it is. This is how it's shaken out for Novak. And hmm. he, you know, and he's, he, he's, you know, been open recently about admitting it too. like, yeah, I know I don't get the fan support against those two guys. I think it's against more than just those two guys. It's a different issue, but hmm. for whatever reason, he did not win the favor of the public and has had to deal with that for his whole career. And I think uh, given so much of that, I think he's done an incredibly admirable job of staying, um, you know, as, as, as respectful as he has in a lot of ways, more than, more than I'm sure I would. And, on respect generally, like I've said before on Twitter, like I think his sportsmanship on court has been, you know, certainly in the last decade, has been super impeccable. Like he's one of the best at giving back points where like he thinks, mm. you know, a point should be replayed or conceding points and that, which I think are like really, really meaningful sportsmanship gestures where, you know, you're decreasing your chance of winning a match by giving away a point. And Novak does that mm. uh, without, without hesitation a lot in a way that, again, I find... Um, great and i yeah and so i'm curious when you've been in conversations i'm not sure how much you talk outside of the novak fandom to people about novak or people who are mm. fans of the other <laughs> other, <laughs> other other the other families in this gang war so to speak but i'm curious how how have you grappled with being as a fan you know such still such like a, a niche that you know that what you see in novak that other people don't seem to appreciate I mean, does that does that frustrate you, or is it something that you have that you encourage? You want people not to be fans of him, or, or, or what? I mean, how how do you how do you deal with being, you know, in the stadium rooting for Novak when, like I said, he's almost as you know, he's like never the crowd favorite at matches you're at. How do you how do you sort of reconcile that with your own admiration for him? Yeah, well, I mean. Uh... It's difficult. Like, I, I remember there was one instance where actually the crowd was in his favor because I was at um, the Belgrade, the Serbia v. Czech Republic Davis Cup okay, tie. Okay, sure. Yeah, if in, you go to Serbia, you'll get a crowd in his favor. Yeah, I mean, one of the few places, right? Um, and I think I, Novak was playing Radek, I want to say. And like Sepinic, yeah. Like, yeah, and the crowd was like so crazy for Novak that I found it off-putting. <laughs> I was like almost <laughs> tempted to cheer for Radek. But I was also like, I don't know, I mean, probably wouldn't be the best spot to, like, turn on Novak as a fan. Um, but, you know, so for me, there's, like, there's a bit of, like, back and forth between, like, you know, my, like, desire, like, because I know Novak wants to be liked. So, you know, it's always nice when he gets those kinds of, like, random moments where people decide that they like him 
or they cheer for him. Like the French Open 2015 against Vavrinka, where the crowd mm-hmm. just went really nice. After Novak had basically had his heart broken, you know, <laughs> again at Roland Garros. And they gave him like a standing ovation. Like I really enjoyed that they gave him that because I think they, they obviously knew how much he wanted to win that tournament and to be so close and to have beaten Rafa in the round before and then lose to Stan Wawrinka <laughs> again. <laughs> you yeah. know, I think it was really nice that they gave him that. And you could see that it meant a lot to him. But for me, as my, my own perspective, as like a bit of a contrarian fan, I sort of in a way don't mind if the crowd is going to be crazy against him. Because actually, like, I think like in some circumstances, like where he gets in kind of like a bit of a, like a low energy, I guess like like this year, the um, the match against team where he was in this like funk of like very, very low energy for some reason. Mm. I'll straighten up in final. Yeah. 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 Um, I actually think like having like a, a crowd really against you can kind of help you. <laughs> and I think totally. there have been there have been matches like, say, against Roger, where the crowd has been so like so vocal that Novak kind of gets inspired to be a bit like, well, fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to like beat yeah. you and then, you know, rub it in your face. I kind of like that. And I like when he embraces that role. because I'm like, look, these people are never going to like you. They're never going to show respect for you. So why not? You know, just go all out <laughs> at that point. Do you, do you find that like, because you obviously know a lot of Novak fans very well. No mm. fam, as they fam, no lay fam, as they call themselves. Mm. Uh, yeah. When, there's do you find that in in the Novak fandom that it is a lot of people who appreciate the contrarianness and really do identify that in themselves or do you it's obviously a lot of Serbs obviously are a huge part of Novak's fandom um and it's the most obvious sort of birthright fandom there for him um and he's met a ton to Serbia and that's a whole different different story um about what he meant as a sort of post you know for them coming to their getting their footing as an independent country, having Novak come up and be a, a number one in the world was incredibly meaningful to Serbia. And they really saw him as a, a champion in so many ways. But, mm. um, but what, what do you see in, in the Novak fandom? How would you describe uh, what people, other people that you've talked to, what, what you guys have in common, if something that makes you Novak fans and how do, and we'll get a little bit more into after that, like the general, what Novak fans are like, but do you see similarities in your own, your own sort of origin story that other people have more or less? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think there's a bit of like back and forth between fans where like with Novak fans where like as much as we like, you know, the crowd cheering for Novak and we kind of get like upset when the crowd are particularly awful towards him, especially when it's very much unwarranted, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of the time it is, you know, cause he doesn't, people will bitch and moan about, you know, Novak hitting balls out, balls out of the stadium. But a lot of the time he doesn't really do a whole lot that, you know, would upset people. Um, so I think like people do get upset when they kind of see what they view as unfairness towards Novak, especially like in terms of engaging with other fans on Twitter. But at the same time, I think we also kind of like it when, you know, people are so against Novak and then he wins anyway, because it's kind of like, you know, you had everything kind of going in your favor, like a player like Roger, for example, you know, when you're playing against Roger on grass, Roger's a great, pl- like a great player. And yeah. you have the, like you have this entire stadium cheering for you to win and then Novak still wins. <laughs> so there's a bit of like sort of, I guess, pride there in that, you know, we like sort of overcoming, sort of overcoming the, you know, the player as well as the crowd. Yeah. So there's, like I said, I mean, there's a bit of like kind of back and forth between like what, like what do we really want? Do we want Novak to be loved or are we, you know, do we enjoy that he's kind of hated? <laughs> 
yeah. know, I don't think like I don't think fans are Novak fans are kind of like there's a bit of um I guess bipolar bipolarness there. Um, you know, we we go back and forth depending on the mood. <laughs> the situation, sure. No, I get that. How you you've been, you know, active on Twitter, obviously, like you said, you joined in twenty ten, I think you said. And mm. Now, 10 years as a Novak fan on Twitter, how how would you characterize the, the Novak fandom online? Ooh, well, <laughs> I guess like I would say that like broadly there's kind of it's kind of split between um, people who are um, would classify themselves as Nole fam. So people who might have like the the um, crocodile. crocodile. Yeah, the crocodile like in their in their Twitter bio or their Twitter name. Um, versus maybe more people who are a bit like me and kind of the people who I tend to like tend to enjoy talking to the most, where we kind of take a bit of bit more of a critical critical view. <laughs> what, 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 what we can get more into the critic, we'll get into the sort of current yeah. division of my fandom in a bit. But I'm curious what because I mean, and like I said, your even just a cursory look at your profile will show that you have a, your photo is a picture, your avatar is a picture of Novak with a halo over his head. So it's very clear <laughs> where you stand on Novak, Twitter wise. But what I guess does the does the crocodile signify something in the Novak? Is it sort of like a like a meme or like a sort of uh, I don't know like a, a, a is it meant to be like an attacking animal or what? What, the, what is the crocodile? I know obviously it's a Lacoste sponsory, mm. but I'm not sure why else the crocodile came to be. If you know more about the crocodile origin mm. story, if there is more to it, uh, I have no idea. Like why? Like why or when everyone decided to start using the crocodile? It's not a trend that I've ever joined <laughs> and I don't plan on joining it um but I think like part of it might be kind of like um like identity kind of signaling you know a lot of Twitter is kind of about building up your identity online so I think part of that is kind of like creating an identity within Novak within tennis fandom that distinguishes you from other fans um yeah. and other fans will do this as well I mean I think there are some Roger fans who will have 100 plus Three, I think, is the number now to signify the number of tournaments he's won. Mm. Like that. Yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. So yeah. you know, all fans kind of do it. Uh, why? I mean, I think it's it's the crocodile because of Lacoste. Um, that, that's but, what I figured, but I guess that's relatively recent, so I wasn't sure if it went back further than that. Anyway, yeah. no, no. I mean, I have no idea. I'm not like I'll be honest. I'm not part of the crew um, <laughs> that has the crocodile, <laughs> and I don't tend to follow people who who are. Um, I think they follow me, and look, I'll be like, I don't have a problem if you want to have the crocodile in your in your bio. Like, it's not, you know, do whatever you want. Um, it's just not really my style. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, and I guess, yeah, one of the things I guess that I associate with Novak, and you mentioned this earlier, but I want to get to this a little deeper, is like not feeling like Novak has gotten the respect he deserved, mm-hmm. deser- deserves, actively deserves, and has deserved, and continues to deserve, and will deserve all three of those things. Um, and yeah, I, I certainly get that fully from a Novak fan um, hmm. perspective. I think that, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, and even just a little slice, I think almost mean more. Like when he's on court at the Australian Open, I think for Kids Day or something. Hmm. And they put, you know, his name on the backdrop and it's a five letter first name. I mean, I just spell it wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. how, how do you do that? Like, I mean, that's those sort of things would not happen to Roger or to Rafa. And I do think mm. that is those, there are some like very real complaints as much as, you know, like people make the joke, like you might be paranoid, but sometimes they really are after you. Like, I think there is some yeah. <laughs> truth, a lot of truth in that with Novak fans and that he has gotten a big uh, deficit of a lot of the respect 
he's earned through his results. And obviously, mm. you know, I'm not telling anybody who to be a fan of, who to do what with, but I do think that Novak has been generally hard done by by tennis fandom, certainly by some media for sure. And um, I do think it's sometimes exaggerated and that people, again, discuss a little bit of the paranoia. People go looking for things and trying to, everything has to be part of some grand plan uh, mm. in certain people's eyes that I don't think really holds water. But I do think there is a case that in, in general, broad terms, yes, Novak has been disrespected or given given a lack of respect for things. And and I understand that as a, as a driving force behind uh, making fans more militant i guess I, I i do understand that in theory i think it obviously goes way too far and gets mm. oddly misdirected and it's not you know it's never really convincing it's, it's more off-putting than anything in a lot of ways but i do think that there is yes yeah, some some basis for that I'm, I'm just curious yeah how you've seen that part too as novak has mm. we started we talked a bunch at the beginning obviously about what his because you were there for his first grand slam i don't think we said that explicitly australian open 2008 was his first grand slam and mm. now being seeing him go all the way to number 17 this year um yeah how do you see how novak's position in the sport has has changed at all and how people have reacted to that online and yeah just sort of your your assessment of 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 his current profile as a yeah, like, well, you know, I mean, pre pre corona profile yeah <laughs> yeah um well i mean i think the 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 lack of respect thing i mean I know there is a tendency to view it as like, oh, well, these people are just being conspiratorial and it happens to every player. But the reality is that it doesn't. You know, if you're the number one player in the world and the slam where you've won your most, like the most amount of slams has spelled your name wrong on two separate years and two separate occasions, you know, and there isn't like an immediate rush to fix it. <laughs> you know, it's not a difficult name to spell, <laughs> in my opinion. First name, certainly not, no. Yeah, and I mean, I can understand it if it's like some player, some qualifier ranked, you know, 200. You know, I think that the tournament should definitely be getting the players' names right. But if you're some player ranked 200, I can understand, you know, okay, you get it wrong. But this is someone who's won your tournament, like, what, seven times? <laughs> what are you doing? Um, and the kind of, like, lack of rush to fix it after fans have been complaining about it, you know, vocally. Um, so there's, there's obviously like that kind of stuff. And I think like people will say, well, you're being petty, but there's also like people use incidents like that to kind of like say, well, Novak is obviously to kind of justify like other, I guess like other things like that happen within the sport where we feel like Novak is hard done by. So for example, if Novak is not given like uh, Rod Laver arena night match and Federer is given the night match, well, people will say, well, you know, he's not – if people are spelling his name wrong, he's obviously not as relevant to the tour as Roger. So Roger just has more fans. So mm -hmm. Roger should get these, uh, you know, preferable time slots. And that matters in tangible ways, you know. Uh, like people – like they try to say that it doesn't, but it's like if you are getting the night match for every single match that you play – and then the semifinal is the night, the night match and the final is the night match. And then during the day, it's 37 degrees and people are, you know, <laughs> ball kids are fainting. But you get to play when it's, you know, 30 degrees and the sun's down. That, you know, it matters that. <laughs> it can. It can, <laughs> you know, it can matter for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I think there was there was that one that one year where Roger got, I think, almost every match, the night match on Rod Laver. And I think Novak was playing against uh, Monfils, 
And that was the obvious, I think it was second round, and that was the obvious match that should have gone night match on Labour. That is the match of the day. And then it went to Roger v, I don't know, Struff. <laughs> you know? So it's it's things like that that I think really great on really great on Novak fans, yeah. or things like you know when Wimbledon will give Roger um, will give Novak the the shitty match on uh, what is it Court One Court Court One yeah yeah towards the towards the tail end of the tournament so everyone everyone like plays one match on Court One but they put Novak's towards the end where it's more challenging and maybe you have a rain delay like that year against I think Sam Query or yeah. Oh yeah, well yeah, it was more of an issue when there wasn't a roof. You're right, and so when mm. when there was a roof on center, but not on court one. Yeah, I think there was a year where it was against. Um, it was like a fourth round match. I want to say against Gilles Simon or something, mm. and he didn't get to play on Manic Monday because mm. he was on the roofless court, and there was some long match. I think it might have been Muller Nadal that went mm. long before him or something. Yeah, so I mean, those are again like any one of those in isolation. I think people can look at it and say, okay, these things can't happen to any player. Like, you know, take it easy. But mm. yes, I do think there is a degree. It's complicated because like I said at the beginning, like there are there are bases for real slights that have happened to Novak. Mm. And there are ones that his fans perceive as slights that I as a, you know, pretty, I think still <laughs> pretty, pretty objective person don't always. Some yes, some no. And I think Novak fans, especially, you know, some of the more militant ones as i've said will see the slights in everything and will start coming mm. up with things that just like think everything is built against novak in some sort of grand conspiracy like the mm. most ridiculous thing to me this is getting a little you know i don't need to get too into this but like whatever who, i don't know who came up with the hashtag briggs fam which is this idea that like simon briggs is running a who's a journalist for the <laughs> telegraph it's like running a cabal of some sort <laughs> that's conspiring to destroy novak and has like sources in the deep state of the atp who are all like working <laughs> against him and it's preposterous and with all due love to simon like he's not a he's not like a mafia don type it's just not his personality mm. so um you know it'd be nice if, I, I, I would say that you know I just don't think he has that much free time or energy to do this, honestly. But they p- people project this onto him and decide this and this and this and this and this are the sworn enemies of Novak. And they come up with lists of Novak's biggest haters and who's like <laughs> against him all the time. And it's just like, it's as someone who's, you know, often lumped into that, it's exhausting. Right. And I, you know, and you hope, I, you know, you don't have to vouch for me on this if you want, but we've had, I think, plenty of talks very offline, at, you know, at mm. Cumulus or wherever over time <laughs> in Melbourne where, you know, I'm not, I think you've seen a little bit behind the curtain mm. of at least how my mind works in the, in the mm-hmm. press room. Like I'm not, no, no one's out to get Novak. Like that's like not mm. a thing. There are things that he gets criticized for, whether mm. it's, and you can say people are quicker on the trigger with him than they are with other players. And that's fine. But usually either it's something that would probably get criticized for anybody. Mm. Um, like I'm thinking, I'm thinking most specifically of like, this was last year, I guess. God, it's only a year ago. The Gimmel stop stuff. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> when when Novak was sort of was fairly sturdily standing behind Justin Gimelstab, as Justin Gimelstab, a uh, mm. friend of his, and was a sort of political ally within the ATP, was um, after he was arrested and charged with uh, sort of assault. I'm a little rusty in the details of this now. It was a Halloween attack, and anyway, Novak, as the the player council, was standing by him and not calling for him to step down or whatever. And and mm. Novak got upset with me, as people I'm sure have seen the video of in Rome. He felt like I was unfairly, you know, singling him out for that. Um, and we had our little back and forth there and then we've been 
really truly fine since then people are like oh you and novak always hate each other and point to that one thing it's like look there's like 10 years worth of me talking to novak in press conferences mm. and we had like one bad you know moment. it was like tense <laughs> and i actually came out of it with a fair with a lot of respect for novak in that moment too i don't know if i talked mm. about this on the show or not before but like that novak was so doggedly determined and like unflinching that entire time it went on way too long it went on for like eight or nine minutes or something it felt like <laughs> even longer than that i've never watched the video back but like he just like mm. it gave me a real sense of what it's like to play like a baseline rally against novak i was like wow mm. this guy does not blink like this is really a war of attrition in a very classic Djokovic competitive way that i was like i now sort of understand what it feels like to be i don't know whoever the cannon fodder is in the first three rounds of the australian open who he tears through it was like it was a yeah it was an eye-opening experience but all it is to say um that's a roundabout thing i don't i understand there may be a little bit of of Novak, I don't know. There is there is not no reasons that people should be you know defensive of, about his treatment, but also at the same time, I think the I think the the antenna are tuned way 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 too sensitively. Yeah, times. and I mean, I, I think I I can think of another kind of like grand conspiracy that's been constructed. I think around involving like Labor Cup uh, and like okay. Craig Tiley. <laughs> I don't know if you heard about this one, but I think that there was like a general idea that like. Um, Craig Tiley, along with like the te- like Tennis Australia, because they have some sort of investment with Labor Cup, they were giving like like preference to Roger, and you know denigrating Novak through that. Um, In terms of like court placements in Melbourne again, or through what? I have no idea. Uh, to coming? be honest, I didn't follow <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> the person who posted it is not someone who I like particularly trust to be like a reliable source. So I saw that there was like some sort of conspiracy floating around about like Craig Tiley, Tennis Australia, Labor Cup, Roger, all being, and like, I think Rod Laver as well, all being (laughs) like old man. (laughs) It can get, it can get, it can get very like, uh, I don't know if you ever watched the show, but it can get very Homeland wall at times Mm -hmm. where like people are, which, you know, can work sort of me and Courtney and I, bounce back and forth at different moments in tennis where like your people are trying to find connections between things and like pull mm. it all together and figure out what the grand scheme and, and the spider webs coming out of people are. Mm. Um, yeah. So all I was to say, like, I, I think, and I, and this is the other thing I'll say about Novak. I think Novak is a tremendous person, a player, a person to be a fan of. I'll just say person more than player in this mm. context, because Novak in my experience, you can get into maybe after this into your own personal interactions with Novak, which you've had many mm. of at this point, but that Novak is so good with his fans. Like mm-hmm. Novak, I've seen Novak so many different times at Indian Wells at Cincinnati or the two sort of main tournaments where his fans can get kind of closer that I've been able to witness him more, where he will, where other players very, very frequently veer out of the way towards, you know, getting, mm-hmm. just going towards transport. Like Novak will swerve towards people instead of away from them whenever mm-hmm. he can. And I think he really is because, as we mentioned, because he does have fewer supporters just mm. by numbers than other top players. I do think he really is grateful for the ones who he has. And I think he really does appreciate them and goes out of his way to make sure that like everybody comes to see him. And I'm sure there've been moments where he's like walked away from someone. I'm sure someone will have some sort of story about this. Every player does. But yeah. like in my, in my anecdotal evidence in Novak, he's incredibly great at going around and making sure every ball is signed, every selfie is taken. I remember at the, when he won Cincinnati, finally, um, a couple of years ago, he mm. like stayed on court and signed like did the entire perimeter of the stadium and it took like <laughs> someone waiting for him to come into press it took a very long time for him to get into press yeah. but like him doing that uh you know again i thought spoke very highly of him so my sort of interaction with him on that level i think 
are great and justified. And it's frustrating to me at times, yes, that people don't see that or don't mm. appreciate that part of him. And I'm sure this is where you can sort of go into your own sort of dealings with what it's been like. Yeah, because you have, I know you said you're not somebody who goes after selfies or autographs or whatever, but you have definitely spoken to Novak, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you I mean, to, however much do you tell you want to get into, you don't have, you can say whatever you want here, but yes. You're yeah. Who has had those inter, inter, interpersonal interactions with him. Yeah. I mean, um, Novak is always someone who's treated me very, very well as a fan. He always, and I think I would speak very, very generally about this. I think that he, um, he always goes out of his way to make his fans feel special and appreciated. And it's never, it never feels like it's kind of like a castaway, like, Oh, thanks for coming. But it's always like, you can kind of sense that it really does mean a lot to him that mm -hmm. you're willing to be this invested in him as a player. And I think I remember like one year in London, he was talking to me and my friend and he said um, something like, thank you for supporting me. You know, I don't have a lot of fans here. So it really means a lot. Mm. And you could tell that he really meant that because <laughs> you know, uh, especially, I think, especially in London, it, you know, he really doesn't have a lot of fans. Um, and people are not just that he doesn't have a lot of fans, but also that people are very much against him mm -hmm. and quite vocal about it. But in every experience that I've ever had with Novak, which is, and I would say, I'm not going to go out of the way and say like, oh, we're best friends, but like, I do have like a lot of kind of little private moments with him where he's mm -hmm. always been extremely respectful of me and my friend. And he's always made us feel like we were appreciated and not that we were like wasting his time or that he couldn't wait to get out of there or anything like that. So yeah. I've always felt that he was very, very respectful in that sense. And like, and also like interested kind of like in what you were doing with your life. You know, he knows that like I was studying in London and things like that. So, so I think to have that, not just with like, you know, someone who you're a fan of, but also someone who is like the number one player in the world and someone who I think will go down as probably the greatest player of all time. <laughs> I mean, not to like <laughs> jinx it, but I think he's on track to be. <laughs> the most slam winning. Is what, is that, that's what you mean by, you know. Yeah, track. in terms of, in terms of slam wins. I mean, we can get sure. into like the, the minutia about like how you determine who's the GOAT. But yeah, yeah. I think most people would most people would say if you've won the most slams, you've made a pretty compelling case for yourself. I'm not going to try to debate. An I'm not going to come up with an anti-Novak argument hypothetically in this episode, at the very least. Yeah. <laughs> I get that, totally. <laughs> but I mean, I, like he's always been, you know – and the thing is, is that he doesn't kind of, he doesn't kind of want you to use that as like, um, as like a, use you as like a vehicle for self, like he's never tried to use like his interaction with me or the people who I, you know, who are also like fans of his. He's never tried to use that in a way that's like self-promotional, like, oh, look how good I am with my fans. In fact, yes. quite the opposite. He'll kind of like tell us to like, oh, um, don't tell anyone about this or, you know, don't, you know, don't post it on social yeah. media, things like that. And if you follow me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you just how unique that is. I mean, I, I remember a moment, I will not say who this player is, but a, a great player, definitely like a future Hall of Fame lock, I think, kind of player. Mm. Um, I was once at a promotional event they were doing, and they like had a bunch of their fans waiting for them uh, out, you know, probably who got there like, you know, hour earlier or something for them to show up to this sort of photo op kind of thing. Mm. They walk they made sure that their agent was like getting pictures or video of them like signing autographs and then as soon as they thought they got enough for their own mm. you know social media or video purpose like they stopped and walked away yeah and it was like so purely a performative thing and that's what that's more what i'm getting to with novak it's like there really is a lot of real genuine interaction mm. and i haven't had that many moments with novak 
you know, casual moments in the hallway. He's someone who just by coincidence, I don't run into that much for whatever reason at tournaments. But like, we did have a long chat uh, with each other, which <laughs> I wish I was not as bleary for because it was the day I landed from my trip to, from the US to Brisbane this year for ATP Cup where he was playing. Mm. And I was talking to him and his brother, Marco. And and he was just like, you know, super attentive and asking us questions about what, you know, what I do when I'm not at tournaments and different things like that. And mm. yeah, it's, it's it's not the kind of, you know, curiosity or personal openness that you always get from players and again that shows and you know and this is again in the midst of all of his fans saying i'm like number three on the list of top 10 haters of novak or whatever ranking i had at that given week like i mean it's stuff doesn't seem to affect him that much and yeah i just i I found him generally from a pure writing point of view his answers are way too long he drones on and on about things (laughs) it's a different issue and he doesn't get to the point or kind of seems to try to filibuster tries to like run out the clock by telling you a lot of stuff you already know or like reading the wikipedia article out loud on a given topic it seems like sometimes but Mm. i'll just say that's like the nice nitpick with him but as a a colleague and being professional to deal with like really really no complaints there so and i think yeah Yeah. he has handled like i've said at the beginning like a lot of um adversity uh, in terms of perception and fandom and everything I think for the most part, really, really admirably. So that can kind of put, to, uh, to use 2014 London Novak terms, sort of a dot on this that portion of the setup <laughs> of this. Unless there's anything else you want to add before we get to more recent developments. No, and I mean, well, I would say like, it, like in your defense, because I've seen the, the replies to some of your tweets suggesting that you're like a Novak hater. I definitely don't think that having interacted with you. Um, I think you're like much more like neutral you know and report the facts as they are (laughs) well thank you i also just think that like people and i think that this again goes to antenna thing whether it's novak fans whether it's federal federal fans i get the least from honestly whether it's novak Mm -hmm. fans whether it's nadal fans whether it's serena fans whether it's sharapova fans people are always so like attuned to criticisms of their player or even just Mm -hmm. like things that are even like neutral but aren't outwardly praising of their player mm. that like they see those and those affect them more. So like I would have like, I could easily come up with like five fan bases that would all tell you like, Oh no, no, no. Ben Rothenberg hates our player most of all. And to me that kind of like signals that I'm sort of doing things in my way. Right. And also, you know, mm. it's a choice that I've made to not be someone who's particularly not to throw all my colleagues under the bus at once, but I'm not someone who's particularly like trying to go soft in hopes of, you know, buttering up a player and getting good access for an interview. Like I, you know, am, outspoken Mm. on twitter more than most you know sometimes in ways that i'm happy with sometimes in ways that i regret certainly but that's just sort of how yeah how i see myself as a reporter someone who i feel obligated to call things as i see them so if there are moments with whoever whether it's novak uh in this current moment which again we'll get into shortly whether it's you know nadal being very milk toasty at best about equal pay and prize money whether it's Mm -hmm. federer giving this really disingenuous tweet about oh just wondering dot 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 shouldn't the tours merge or whatever he's yeah. coming up with lately. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm happy to call those things out and say, like, that's nonsense or whatever it may be with, you know, other top players mentioned, Serena, Sharapova, whatever. Like, yeah. So I think people see that. Not to make this more about me than it needs to be, but I think people see that and um, react badly to it. And there we go. Which has been a lot of the case segue in the mm. last couple <laughs> weeks. So. Yes. Since the tours stopped, Novak mm-hmm. has been quarantining he left the u.s or left indian wells or the u.s and pretty quickly and people were like <laughs> it doesn't really matter what he was doing at the beginning i don't know the exact details of when he left or why he left mm. but he goes back to europe start quarantining he's been more recently based in marbella in spain i believe mm-hmm. which is where he yeah. has a, a sort of training base and i don't know if that's still is that still the pepe Imaz place is that where pepe Imaz was in spain i don't remember where in spain pepe was 
Maybe. I think Pepe does have a, like a place in Marbella, but I'm not sure if Novak is still like with him. Like I know that I think Marco might live in Marbella full time, so it's possible he's like at Marco's place. Yeah, yeah possibly. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was definitely yeah. a house that I didn't recognize. So I don't think he's posted on social. I mean, sorry, this is really creepy, but <laughs> I, I, say, I was like, wait. These are, just, these are just showing your bona fides as a, as a Novak fan. Like, I did not recognize this house, you say, no. which, is, which is good good by me. Uh, no, anyway, so I'll say Novak has taken his time, his content strategy, if you want to call it that, which is a weird word to use for an individual, but that's what he's doing. Um, mm-hmm. Novak is has been doing a few Instagram live chats with some people <laughs> with whom he has conversations about issues that he enjoys. And we haven't got into this sort of side of Novak at all in this whole conversation, but mm-hmm. Novak is very, very since really, I guess it sort of started with in 2011 when the whole gluten-free thing started, I think. Mm-hmm. And he pointed to that as reading the reason why his career transformed and his results picked up so dramatically in 2011, he won three slams that year and was just suddenly very dominant. He is, and since then, wrote, you know, his book, Serve to Win, which is a lot of sort of health. It's mostly like nutrition book, largely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's, uh, and he does other things, which I think he thinks are connected and maybe are connected in other ways about, you know, meditation or mindfulness and things like that. Uh, anyhow, he... One the, the reason we're <laughs> the reason we're doing this episode on Novak now <laughs> is that the last two three weeks maybe just two I think three weeks he's hmm. had on as a guest this guy whose name I very intentionally have not used on Twitter out of people hopefully picked up on that because I don't want to give right. this guy more publicity than he has but I will say it here just for clarity this guy named I'm not even sure how to pronounce it another reason I'm maybe making, taking a risk if I had to say it here but I think it's like Shervin Jafaria. I think so. I, I'll be honest. <laughs> I try to I try to avoid this guy as much as I can, anyway, but I have done. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So anyway, so Novak has had this guy, and I just call him this guy in my tweets. So I'll just refer to him as this guy uh, mm. on three weeks in a row now. He was just on recording this late, late, late Wednesday night slash early Thursday morning my time and starts mm. your time now in Australia. And this guy has been talking with Novak about all sorts of things, which Novak is enjoying. And the the content gets very like technical sciencey very quickly. Like there's a mm-hmm. lot of, like this guy loves throwing around like huge sciencey words to show up how much he knows. Mm. And some of the stuff when I tuned in or when I really got tuned into this for the first time when I saw a clip someone posted of this guy talking about how, um, giving it a spiel and this is the first video that i posted in my my twitter i just you know took it from somebody else on twitter or did the you know share video thing whatever mm. it was him talking about how there had been research that like positive thinking formed more beautiful crystals in water if it was adjacent to the positive thinking and it was <laughs> like i was just like and novak is there like nodding along being like mm-hmm, yes yes and i was like what is happening here <laughs> this is it was it was one of the wildest things and i had not uh-huh. been, i'm not interested in novak's kind of you know, interest in this previously. Mm. I'm not somebody, and I was curious about like the whole Pepe emails thing, which we can maybe get into in context of this, if you want to talk about your own journey through that moment and Novak's <laughs> career. But mm. um, I, it's not been inside of Novak that I was particularly always intrigued by, but seeing this, I was really baffled. So I went through, back through and watched some of the other moments in this. And it was honestly parts of it really boring. So I skimmed through parts of it. Mm. Um, but the, the times that I did sort of slow down and look, hear things, it was just this like very, very enthusiastic from both of them, uh, but especially Novak. And Novak, obviously, is the one who has like seven something million Instagram followers. So it's, he's mm. the one who's the show here, really saying some things that were like very confident and very interesting to them about science that had like nothing to do with reality. 
and mm-hmm. and then the guy whips out his bottle of golden mind is the name of his supplement <laughs> and starts telling me about how like how great golden mind is and like how it's like you know a wonderful thing and that's when like that moment of seeing him hawking products on Novak's channel Novak like nodding along with that was mm. I was really like okay this is like this is a scam <laughs> that's when it changed for me from being just like you know sort of innocuous and Sharapova was on his insta live earlier and I don't I don't watch that many insta lives I'm not a fan of the format but Novak was on was Sharapova on his live earlier and she was like making fun of him I think she like called him like a tree hugger or something like that so like there's that side <laughs> kind of side of Novak that people see as being a little bit like in the clouds about science spirituality type stuff you know and whatever and that's I really I don't have issues with that kind of stuff it's when you start preaching to people that you have solutions for things in this golden mine bottle this guy whipped out and I went on the website and the golden mine costs fifty dollars for like a like tiny like three ounce bottle and you get it as like the default way to get it is like it's like a subscription where it like renews every month and just like and that's just like taking advantage of people in this way that like really very quickly uh changed like my sort of um uh, agitation level on this i think it's fair to say i was like very quickly very mad that novak was giving this guy who's a not like a king scammer let's be clear like this is kind of like not a, a uh, not at Novak's level. <laughs> you no. know, he's not somebody who's like really one of the leaders in the supplement industry or anything. His own YouTube video that he has posted of, of some of his lives get like a couple hundred views in the ones I've seen. Um, mm. I think his, his Instagram following for that's worth is like 48,000, 47. So I've, leagues and leagues, which is way more than mine, sure. But like it's way below Novak's. And mm-hmm. so, or my Instagram, I'm not really an Instagrammer that much. They're definitely not professional anyway. And just seeing Novak, like, endorse and validate this guy with his own credibility. And I do think Novak has credibility and mm. as a platform and has, it makes, and it's, you, I see that with his fandom, how much he means to certain people and how much he resonates to certain people. And certainly that's 20 times more in Serbia, where as I said, mentioned in passing earlier on, he's such a massive figure. So he endorsed these things. And also there was the whole issue previous to this where he was on a zoom chat with a bunch of other serbian athletes and made Mm. statements that were very skeptical of uh vaccines and there's some you know debated push and pull about like what exactly he was referring to whether he's against all vaccines or against vaccines that might be rushed into market was sort of the charitable spin that Mm. people had on Novak's statement there but but novak was given chance and i was working oh chris i was sort of i didn't wound up doing anything really in the end for the story, but I was sort of there with the other times people as, as Chris Clary, who wound up writing the story for the times was reached out to Novak's team and, and Novak got a chance to walk that back and to be much more clear. And he really didn't take anything back that he said, or that he was thought mm. to have said in the initial Reuters report, which is what broke this. Uh, there was a Serbian reporter from Reuters who mm. wrote an English version of the story that got picked up. And that's what got people realizing he'd said this because it was to a relatively small Serbian audience. So, and then Novak yeah, did not walk that back, did not clarify. And it's sort of in some ways, kind of double down on um or been again like characteristically defiant in his own way and saying uh-huh. this is, i'm not i'm not daunted i'm going to keep doing this i will say i did watch their most recent thing uh mm. the part i saw like 90 percent of it and there was they did not this guy did not bring up his bottle of supplement again he did not the, the science claims weren't as crazy there was still a whole lot of this guy i i've looked way, spent way too much time looking at this guy on the internet he's he sucks like yeah he's bad he's he's using all these words like that are intentionally confusing people to try to make him sound like he's really smart and he does Mm -hmm. this other thing where this and this is this is gonna sound like a stupid complaint but it's really a real material complaint to me where he never wears sleeves 
and he's constantly oh, putting he's constantly putting his arm and doing it you can't this is audio format so you can't see but he's put he possibly puts his head his hand between behind his head to show off his biceps and kind of his armpits to show like how like ripped he mm. is because that's his entire credibility it's like look at me i'm beautiful you can be beautiful too <laughs> by golden mind and that's his whole branch of credibility he's not a doctor he's not someone who i think went to college for this i think he was previously he was in real estate he was in real he's a real estate developer from la yeah and yeah. like there's, there's some dodgy stuff on his Twitter, which I scrolled through way too much of, uh, or sorry, his Instagram. And yeah, so he's just like this pure facade. And he, I find him so incredibly beneath Novak, who I think, mm-hmm. as I've said in all this stuff in the previous, I don't know, 30 minutes of the show, however long we've been going for now, all this stuff that Novak really well earned his goodwill and credibility. And I think giving this guy your platform or letting him, you know, take advantage of your platform is something that really Novak should be thinking more about because there's just, yeah, other things that just like, and things that, Again, some of it's harmless. Like when Novak is talking, well, I don't know. When, when this guy's mm-hmm. talking about like the, the health benefits of trampolines, like those are not, yes, likely to, to hurt people. Well, actually, I, I say that, but Chanda Rubin did put up a funny tweet this week. I <laughs> doubt anyone saw this or made the connection, but we're talking about how she was during this quarantine playing with her kids and like pulled a muscle on a trampoline. And I was like, aha, those go- see, dark side of trampoline. There you go. You know, they don't heal everything. And I was wondering if she did it as a sort of like wink, wink to the current trampoline situation, which I would have mm. appreciated, but cannot confirm or deny. So talk to Chanda about that. Yeah, it's just it's just a mess. And other things in there that he was saying, mm. uh, just taking the sort of pseudoscience further, saying how you can, you know, make food more nutritious with the power of your mind and make dirt, you know, mm. unhealthy water into healthy water, the power of your mind. It's... Mm. Uh, that that's sort of my again. I think hopefully people the people will want to believe it or not who are am talking to the the Nole fam here, like mm-hmm. whether they want to believe my objectivity on Djokovic or not through the first three minutes of this. Like I said all that so I could then rip into this, which I do find really disappointing mm. from Novak. And I'm and I'm curious, Katrina, you've put some of this on Twitter, but I'm curious what it's been like for you as this devoted, very Novak fan credentials beyond dispute person. <laughs> what it's been like for you seeing uh, this stuff over the past couple of weeks from him from the vaccine to the, to the, this guy stuff and so on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've known that Novak is into this stuff for, for quite a few years. I mean, it, it did really start with the kind of the gluten, the gluten stuff. I kind of, I, I didn't actually read his serve to win book because it's about nutrition and I don't really want to take my nutrition advice from, I mean, I don't take nutrition advice anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a vegan, so I, I don't know. I feel like I have my own little thing with that, but I didn't know Novak's vegan so, too currently, I think, I believe. He, uh, we, I've had discussions with Novak about his, his veganism. Um, <laughs> okay. He, he calls himself a, a demi-vegan, which I'm sorry is not a thing. Um, you're okay. either a vegan, you're a vegetarian, or you're an omnivore. So I've known that Novak is like into this stuff for a while. Um, and I think it's been a gradual pro- like progression from the gluten-free stuff, which the, he had some sort of like Dr. Spacherman doctor who was like in his, in his box, who was like this old guy. <laughs> I just love a Dr. Spacherman reference. Good. <laughs> 10 points for that. Good work. He I, like, I think, I think how he got in touch with that guy was the guy saw him. Uh, I want to say the Songa match in 2000 in Australia in 2010. And he saw Novak being sick and he thought, Oh, Novak is not sick because of this. He's, he's not playing well because he's, um, he's, uh, he's gluten intolerant. So then Novak got in touch with this guy and then that's how he became gluten free. And he attributes his success to the gluten free diet. And, and I, the story, by the way, with that, which, uh, which yeah. is skipping over, but it's the story is where, and this is in his book, this mm. is in Serve to Win, where the doctor holds a piece of bread against Novak's skin 
and Nomex mm-hmm. starts to feel faint or can't hold up his arm anymore or whatever. And so, like, <laughs> it's, this is not a traditional allergy diagnosis, let's put it that way. Mm, yeah. I mean, when I, I think you were the first one who told me about that, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it doesn't sound very good. Um, so, and I think, like, Novak attributed his, like, to that post-2011 success to the gluten-free diet. I would personally attribute it to the confidence boost that he got from um, Davis Cup. Davis Cup, yeah, um, totally. Yeah, that was where I thought that he really – because I – go ahead. I was going to say, even 2010 US Open, I think was a big turning point term for him. He made – he yeah. made it was the first of the two years where he mm-hmm. saved match points to beat Roger to yeah. the finals. And he had like a rough first round match against Troitsky, I believe, mm-hmm. if I'm recalling correctly, in that yeah. tournament. And like, yeah, so there were, there were signs. Anyway, people but, – yeah. but people – this is a thing in tennis when people – the media are looking someone starts doing something way way better than they were before mm. people want an explanation why yeah and this happened like in 2012 with victoria azarenka who like started the year after being you know like a solid like getting into being mm. a top five-ish player she broke out and won the australian open and then won like doha dubai and then won indian wells and was like on a run in miami and people like needed mm. an explanation like okay we need to write stories and tell people why this player who had never won these titles like this before is suddenly racking up all these titles and being mm. a world beater and being number one. And there was never really a good explanation with, with, with Azarenka, but with Novak, there was this very tidy gluten-free diet yeah. explanation that he, he had for people. Yeah. And, and he kind of pushed that, but like from my perspective as a fan, cause I was never really like on board the whole, like, you know, the transformer, that transformative nature of gluten. I was never really like on board with the idea that his success is due to the gluten-free diet, I did think that it was because of Davis Cup and like the the kind of run that he had in the lead up to that. Yeah. Anyway, so the the gluten-free kind of diet started him on this kind of wellness, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to say. That's how people use <laughs> I mean, that word. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not exactly clear, kind of like what, how exactly you would classify what he's doing, but wellness, mindfulness, that kind of thing. That's kind of what started it. And I know he's, I think he's kind of since then become more gradually interested in this kind of stuff. Um, Pepe Amaz was like another figure that emerged um, after Dr. Spishemin. Um <laughs> So Pepe was a, God, I don't even know how to describe him. I tended to ignore Pepe's a former him. tennis player, which people don't really realize. But Pepe was like mm. a top 200 ATP player. Mm. And he, since I think it's sort of, I think he can probably broadly be called a spiritual advisor. Uh, yeah. who foot was again became a part of Novak's team it would come to some tournaments and stuff and he has the, the Amor y Paz the love and peace mm. slogan and t-shirts which Marco I think Marco is still affiliated with this in some way um, mm. but uh, yeah he has those things and he came along at a time in Novak's career where Novak's career was sort of trending down mm. and I think a lot of fa- I don't know if you were among them but a lot of fans I've seen at least in my tweets and Novak's been in my mentions Novak content's been in my mentions a lot lately mm. um we're saying like this is just like you know Pepe Imaz, where Pepe Imaz was being hurtful to his career, and I, I don't know whether Pepe Imaz did anything for his career, good or bad, but um, yeah, he was somebody else who Novak sort of like put his his faith in in this very sort of public way. Mm. Um, and you know, there's a video that's out there. I don't know if you've seen of Novak like leading a, a meditation oh, in a group yeah. that Pepe is doing <laughs> and stuff. And so yeah, so I was to say like and again like that meditation, like even if it can be a little bit, you know cringy from the outside to see to see that to see that like that's also that's that's also harmless like as much as as much as you know assuming that's like there's not anything else on the side of this 
organization that's, you know, in some sort of harmful cultish way, like mm. going off and doing meditation in Spain to clear your mind from the pressures of the world and pressures of you know, standing still people being against you. Like, that's all fine. Mm. To me, there was such a big bridge or line cross, again, in this more recent time with uh, with this guy selling his Golden Mind supplements on Novak's channel and Novak endorsing these things. And... Mm. Yeah, and so I just just get forward a little to the present. I guess what what was your thought as you saw as you've seen this last sort of month of stuff on Novak? <laughs> Where to start? Um, well, my first, I guess, my first kind of reaction to seeing that he was like, like I like you um, was not really watching the. Um, I don't really watch like the Instagram live one mm-hmm. because it's not on my time zone, so I'd, I would have to wake up at like five a.m. And I'm just not yeah. going to do that. <laughs> like, especially if I can watch it back. Like, I think I watched like most of the Anthony Murray one back. And that was like kind of interesting. Like, I actually really like that, even though I found Novak's answers to be very um, long. <laughs> uh, Welcome and to kind my of, world, yes. Yeah, it does God, give long, long yeah. answers. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I kind of found that to be a bit. And I think like there was like something that highlighted like the kind of difference between like Andy and Novak when it was like, what was the first thing that you do in the morning? And Novak was like, well, I say gratitude. And um, I think, I, I don't know, some some bullshit. And, and then Andy was like, well, I get up and I go to I go pee. <laughs> so to highlight the difference between the two, um, you, you know, you could already kind of see like this, like Novak is maybe moving more towards like making this stuff public. I mean, he, he kind of like a lot of his tweets kind of were already kind of sounding like this, like what I would kind of, kind of like woo woo spiritualness or mm-hmm. wellness. Um, kind of like when the Paltrow, um, hmm. goop kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of it was kind of like, like that, which I mostly ignored. Uh, cause it's just not really my thing. Uh, and then when he had this guy on, uh i it was not my thing and then so i didn't get up and watch it but i watched some of the highlights and i like and immediately you can tell that this guy is you know shilling something (laughs) you know to the extent of which like does this guy like believe his own hype does he buy into all this like kind of stuff i don't know i mean i don't know no i really i really do not know what to think this guy because he's a salesman and so what what to think that and that's a kind of charitable now to apply to him Mm -hmm. but what you know and snake oil salesman is a more traditional sort of thing i mean like and there's different things and to get briefly sidetracked into him like i was looking at his reviews on amazon and like mm. i saw what at least one thing from a, a person who said i tried leaving a negative review on this guy's website but he didn't mm. you know approve it or something and just like there's there's other things there's ob- mm. and people should know this stuff and again this goes to uh questions about responsibility for this like is it you know if people are quote unquote gullible or dumb if you, mm. uncharitably enough or vulnerable enough or susceptible enough to these sort of preachings and they don't go do out and spend hundreds of dollars on, you know, this guy's potions, which they think mm. will improve their lives and get them better and prevent Parkinson's or whatever else. It's this whole, I mean, a whole bunch of different stuff he's saying. Not that he's saying mm. particularly that this potions prevent Parkinson's, but it's just different. It's all part of his sort of talking points um, that he, maybe they just get what they're coming, but they're often, there also is, um, you know, a deck stacked against them by his, his deceitful, presence online which it seems to be in terms of reviews and stuff and blocking people mm. or deleting comments that are at all questioning or critical or anything of him and then all that is fine and then for Novak to give him this like very 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 uh advantageous platform where yeah. Novak is saying hey 
I'm this great guy. I'm this incredible success story. I'm a world-class athlete. Right. I am on track to be GOAT, like you said, from a pure numbers standpoint, very possibly. And I believe in this guy. And this is who I trust. Like, hmm. that's incredibly powerful coming from Novak, that kind of endorsement. And that has meant the world to, to this guy's career and his, to his brand. And, like, there is a, you know, this sort of first uh, saved story collection on hmm. his uh, Insta page is all, like, his interactions with Novak. Like, Novak is his calling card. And Novak yeah. is what's going to make him into a success. And this guy's so aware of that. And he's so clearly, you know, latching onto that in a way that it makes me, like, really feel bad for Novak because I don't I don't think that Novak because Novak is, I assume is not making money off of the sales of Golden Mind I assume he's not getting yeah. paid to endorse this guy or paid by him to make appearances I think Novak is just kind of getting taken for a ride by this guy is my is my outside assessment and yeah. that makes me very disappointed for Novak that this is happening to him and mm-hmm. very disappointed in Novak that this is happening that he's letting this happen and yeah. I just yeah that's that's sort of my that's sort of my my verdict in the end of this and that's all I'm really trying to say and you know I was disappointed mm. again when after there were you know that's why I did sort of raise hackles or alarms about it after the after the first one I saw mm. other people did as well a couple of people again a lot of journalists were quiet not wanting to burn the Novak Bridge or whatever um, but I did get you know a few Mary Crillo notably on Tennis Channel came out very forcefully against this stuff mm-hmm. and uh, I did get a lot of messages privately from other people who work on the ATP tour. Uh, and various capacities, you know, sort of being like, you know, keep it up. Like, this is nuts. Like, it's good that you're calling this out. Um, right. Not a lot of other, I think maybe a couple people wrote newspaper stories about it um, and embedded, embedded the videos that I clipped. But yeah, I mean, that that's sort of my take. It's just like, I just, I, it makes me sad. It makes me sad that Novak, who, yeah. again, I have so much admiration for in the first two thirds of the show. Um, is sort of making this his moment and, and doubling down on this. And there was something, oh, it was, I was watching the Hillary Clinton documentary or something. And they were talking about how it was sort of a cliche at the end. It was a Hulu documentary where they were saying how, like, in the end, like, her greatest strength, which was like, I think they were saying her stubborn. I'm not sure what they said her greatest strength. Whatever it was, it was meant to be like, her strength is also her weakness. And I think with Djokovic, that's kind of becoming the case as well, where, like, his stubbornness and his independence and everything is now, we're seeing the downsides of that. We're seeing him like yeah. double down on something that he should not be. And, yeah. um, and you know, and there's, there's all sorts of cultural things to go into it. I've heard, you know, I've gotten lots of messages from people and I'm not an expert on this and what like Balkan attitude towards Western medicine are healers or skepticism that comes from that part of the world about doctors and things that are all different sorts of backstories. I can't pretend to know all of. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is also, you know, I think a lot of people pointed out uh, that his wife, Yelena has also posted things uh, on social media that are similarly sort of, conspiracy theorist i mean she put something up about you know 5g yeah, or something yeah. that got that actually got like flagged by instagram i'd never seen this before on a post that got flagged by instagram as being like this hmm. is like misleading information like click at your own risk on yeah. her post yeah, yeah so, so, think... so there, it's, it's there's some context to it but yeah it's just it's just disappointing to me in the end yeah and i mean like going back to kind of like like i mean one of the things that i think i've always really liked about novak is that he's always very been very interested in learning mm-hmm. and i mean he's spoken about his desire to go back to uni and how he kind of felt like he really wanted to finish high school or have like a proper kind of high school education and he, he i think he's mentioned that he felt like he missed out in that sense so what i've always liked is that he was really interested in learning and it's just such a shame to see him channel it into this you know there are so many better things that he could be using his time in quarantine like while we're all under quarantine he could be using his platform for so many better things you know like 
labor on the ATP, like starting a union, that kind of thing. That That is like really interesting to me. And I would really like to see him use his platform in that way. Um, but to see him use it for this guy, uh, it's really disappointing, you know, and it's really, it's that kind of thing. Like you don't really know, like, how can I, how could I even approach Novak in this way? I mean, I just don't feel like there's a whole lot that anyone as a fan or as a journalist I don't know. How, I, I don't know how you reach someone who is so bought in. <laughs> you know? I, 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 did, I did send him a message. Uh, just because we follow each other on Twitter, I sent him a message and DM just saying like, "Hey, I would like to, you know, just to say basically a lot of things that I've said here about what I would you know want him to hear about at least." And I not as much as I've, we have had you know been colleagues for ten years. We're not like not mm. we're super close or anything, but um, you know, I just do want him to sort of me to be able to articulate my misgivings about this in a way that's different than my my tweets which come off obviously probably more aggressive than he wants to respond to mm. but uh yeah but you were saying i mean in, on twitter like you would be supportive of and this i think really showed me how much mm-hmm. you were affected by this but you'd be supportive of like his sponsors pulling back from him over this or sending some sort of message that way whether it's his sponsors yeah. now are what, like lacoste and asics and head and uh seiko maybe yeah yeah yeah, yeah and i mean like like, I think like my tweet was kind of saying like, this is a very crude way to deal with it. And obviously it's, it's a very bad precedent, but I'm willing to, you know, <laughs> go against my own kind of like, for, like moral and like ethical perspective in this case. And just say like, look, if you're Lacoste, your logo is appearing beside this guy who is talking about changing water with the power of your mind. And, and you know, really, you know, I mean, the extent to which this stuff is dangerous I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's like a direct, like, if you can really say like someone watches Novak and then they believe that water, like polluted water can be cleansed. I don't know if there's like a direct causative link. You just, you just don't know. And this goes back to, there's a lot of like, this makes this why, why I think this is especially harmful in this moment in human mm-hmm. history is because of all the sort of health fears and concerns and confusion that is out there right now. Mm. Like there were, you know, when like, when, you know, Donald Trump is talking about, um, how people could inject disinfectants or something into their bodies or into their lungs to, to clear out the virus. Like all the companies mm. that sell disinfectants had to put out very quick messages being like, no, do not do this with our products. We do not want you to, dis- you know, drink yeah. bleach or whatever he, or yeah. whatever, you know, spray, li- inhale Lysol or whatever he was saying. Like those are, do not do these things. And so there is people who have power and influence through that power and influence and success. You know, that has a ton of success and has influence and power from that have credibility, whether earned or not, on all sorts of things and are influencers, to use the sort of gross social media term. But they really are influencers because they do influence people. Like That's the reason why, Like as much as I roll my eyes at the whole concept of influencers, like they are successes because people have learned and have proven that their endorsements work and matter. And I'm sure yeah. that this guy sold a lot, and I don't have data on this, but I'm sure that this guy would have sold, at least had a lot of people checking out gold in mine that day. Mm. You know, a lot of people being like, oh, yeah. if Novak says he uses this, this guy likes it. This all seemed really interesting to me. And there's a lot of science I didn't totally understand, but it seemed like they really knew what they were talking about. Let me go get some of this so I can improve my life and get some gold in mind. And maybe mm-hmm. a lot of them, I'm guessing, probably did go look and then balked at the price tag. I hope that happened. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like yeah. that's that's where the responsibility comes from because Novak is influential. And, he, and on his last uh, – on, t- on the most recent live he did – before he had this kind of disclaimer he put before it where he was like, you know, this is just my opinion. I'm not trying to preach. I'm just, you know, sharing some interesting ideas or whatever. Um, Mm. And that would be fine. Again, if it was a less concrete 
thing they were talking about. And there was again, there was not the overt sales pitch on this most recent one of the I don't I don't believe there was overt product placement. At least maybe they put that on pause for now. And Novak, I'm sure Novak and and this guy I think have talked about the backlash to his to their videos they're getting online, I'm pretty sure. But yeah. uh you know yeah, there's a yeah, there's a responsibility that comes with with this. And the same reason why Lacoste, for example, or any sponsor like pays Novak uh, to wear their clothes is because he's a positive association, right? Mm-hmm. Lacoste thinks that by having Novak wear their stuff, that it will make their product more valuable because either mm-hmm. he's winning in it or he looks good in it or he like what he stands for or so on. Like that's all clear. That's why he's an influence. That's why he has power. So the same Novak has to be therefore careful. Yeah. Again, with associating with things that are just like this, like this Bush league and bad. And like, it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's just, it's just so, it's so, it's so beneath all the things that I feel like he, he should be, you know, and the same thing happened. Mm-hmm. I remember in a, in a conversation with, uh, or not conversation and reporting that happened with Jeannie Bouchard where mm-hmm. Jeannie Bouchard, um, this was reported on the times, uh, years ago, a couple years ago, but she split with an agent in part because the agent was upset that she was like doing like supplement paid posts on her Instagram. Yeah. I think it's, I think it was supplements paid posts for something on Instagram that mm. he thought was like way below the kind of sponsorship she should be doing. Like he just thought it was like yeah. devaluing her as a influencer to use that word again. And yeah. yeah, I just think that I think this does hurt Novak's credibility when he does things mm. like this and it, it tarnishes his, his persona in a way that I just, I just wish it wasn't. Cause I do think that he's, you know, um, a very, very successful, important guy for the sport. Whether he's popular or not, he's still influential to a whole lot of people. And uh, yeah, it's 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 just all frustrating. Yeah, and I mean, like if you're if you're Novak's, I mean, I know Novak's agent, but if you're Novak's like brand like brand manager, aren't you? Don't you have like a certain level of responsibility to say like, hey, you might believe in this stuff and you might find this stuff very helpful, but it goes against modern science and the the climate right now, you know, in the right side of history is not to be going against science and not to be, you know, throwing out all this, you know, frankly, bullshit, you know, and, and to be associating with these kinds of like figures who, uh, God, I mean, like the thing, the thing about this guy is, (laughs) is that he's fundamentally not that remarkable. You know, what he's saying is pretty strange and, and frankly stupid, but he's not like some sort of like unique thinker. <laughs> no. And he doesn't even seem to be that popular within this kind of like wellness internet, like Instagram sphere. He doesn't have that many followers compared to, I'm sure you can find many, many people. Yeah. And I'm not even preach- sure what his follower count was before he started showing up on Djokovic's platform. Yeah. yeah, but but like forty eight thousand followers in this kind of like wellness like wellness arena is not actually that many, you know. And you know, to be to be lifting up a guy like that, I mean, God, there there are like better conspiracy theories for you to be getting in on. Like, you know, there are better scammers. <laughs> <laughs> I I gotta say, I Court and I were joking about this on Twitter, and I sort of agree that like I, you know, have family from New Jersey my my uh grandfather was a judge in in Jersey City uh, which is all mm-hmm. sort of like frequently has sort of like tentacles of organized crime in it in various shapes and form mm-hmm. and so like i feel like i have in some ways like a respect begrudging respect for certain elements of like 
scammers or organized crime or whatever people who pull things off and again this goes to our you know our time we spent together on darko but there were oh. certain things with darko where he pulled something off and i was like actually you know props to you that you were able to get this that you were able to talk your way into the bbc and yeah, things like you that can respect like, that's the game, like, you, know? you can respect the, the 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 game right but with this guy i'm just i'm just not impressed and the only his only real victory is getting novak and anyway it's frustrating i'm curious just from your own sort of you know speaking out or, or diverging are you when you're dealing with being part of a fandom Mm. <laughs> and find yourself and that fandom starts dividing or starts you know clearly mm-hmm. like some of them are going places that you because a lot of them it should be very clear are very adamantly defect, def, defending novak through all this mm-hmm. and attacking me i mean like i'll just read the most recent tweet i got which is um before we start recording which i jotted down because i thought it was useful uh, to sort of talk about the tone um this guy, Nemanja Ristich, says, mm. um, you are also a classic example of a moron of a retarded Nazi Satanist nation. Most likely you are also a pedophile. And, and, and huh. so that's like in responding to me pointing something about Novak, I don't know, whatever. I don't know what tweet it was, but I think that he escalated the, the, <laughs> the discourse yeah. a bit in the, in the words he used. So, I mean, so that's like the kind of stuff I'm seeing. But like for you, like being a dissenter, and it's not just you, um, mm. I've been heartened to see lots of people who are, you know, Novak fans in a very loyal, diehard sense, whether it's you, whether it's uh, uh, her name is on Twitter, Anna Tennis fan who's from Israel, who has another mm-hmm. Novak fan I know well. Uh, Jared Pine is like an American t- Novak fan from California somewhere, I believe. And mm-hmm. he's also saying, and he was kind of going back and forth. He was saying like, well, Novak's clearly wrong, but Ben still wouldn't do this to anybody else. And I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And and then like, and then Anna Mitrich is, talked about her own like misgivings and stuff with Novak or with this whole, you know, being stressed essentially by this, you know, her pulling loyalties here. And I'm just curious for you, like what it's like for you to sort of, if it's easy or if it's, if it's tough to have to, uh, to sort of be splitting from the pack here. And I, and I do think also I should say, obviously the example I got is an extreme one, but there, I do think the people who are Novak fans who are doubling down on this part are, I think mm-hmm. and I hope are are my are a loud minority. Um, I don't think this is mm-hmm. most Novak fans doing this. I think it's just the classic sort of usual suspects in in, in yeah. Novak Twitter who are the most aggressive and the most mm-hmm. uh, belligerent. Yeah. Most and and honestly, they're the ones who worry me in this context because if they really will fight for anything Novak says and does, that really just shows influence in a lot of ways too. Like if there's like yeah. if this is not a bridge too far, what would be? You know. So um, mm. yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious just what it's been like for you finding yourself at a, maybe a bit of a crossroads. Yeah. Well, I mean, being disliked within my own fandom is not a new experience for me. I'll say that up front. <laughs> um, but it is like disheartening to see so many people just blindly supporting Novak no matter what. And like, I don't know if they buy into this or if they're more taking the the freedom of speech argument where they feel like they should defend Novak's right to, you know, air his views or whatever. I don't know if they're actually like buying into it, but to the extent that they are, you're not, you're not doing him a favor, you know, by doing that. Um, you know, like my perspective on fandom is always that you should be, you should want the best for your player or the person who you're supporting. Um, and what I think is the best for Novak is to not be posting this stuff. So you're mm-hmm. not doing him a favor to be blindly supporting every move that he makes, you know, and it is disheartening to see so many people just being like attacking you or attacking other fans who are dissenting on this kind of stuff. 
not that I've like, I haven't personally seen that, but I've seen people who are like kind of taking the same viewpoint as me who are saying like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've had like received hateful messages from other fans who like other Novak fans who are telling me, you know, that I'm not a fan or. And you're somehow failing you know, a loyalty test in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And like you, you're not doing Novak favors to build up this kind of like, you know, reservoir of like, like, like a little army to go out and defend everything he does because like, my God, he's wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. You know that he's wrong. Come on. Part of like, part of like what this, what I think the people supporting Novak are doing is like, they're not just signaling their support for Novak to Novak, but because like it's a very public platform, you're also sig- like signaling your support to other fans so there's kind of like a bit of like um, like social capital building, I guess, within sure. fandom. Gosh, no, this is something that you see so much in society constantly. Mm. I mean, like not to make another Trump comparison, but it goes for anything with a lot of politicians. Everything is so polarized right now. Mm. And everybody is so in their own camp that whether it's, you know, Donald Trump on one side of the political or, you know, he's not even the furthest right person, but whoever the furthest right person mm. is versus, you know, bernie on the other side like people Aww. when they get when they when they get on a team they're very very loyal to that team and mm. you know they're not and so they see it as sort of a competition as a scoreboard thing and they can you know i'm not saying that those are obviously i'm not trying to make those equal people uh but mm. i'm saying that you know it, you can get there can be a pack mentality that can be where people and again this is just sort of winding its way towards a compliment towards you that i really do have a lot of respect and admiration for you for being for staying, you know, and this is going to sound patronizing, but for staying an independent thinker, because mm. it's obviously hard, it's, it's a lot harder to object to this stuff publicly than it should be. You know, it, it's not mm. like it's it should be easy to be somebody sticking up and saying, hey, this is not OK. This has gone too far. But we just see so, so little of that in, in politics mm. and in the world and in, you know, in fandom, certainly right now mm. so I'll just say kudos to you and other other fan people who are fans of novak and you know by all means continue being a fan of novak the tennis player and you know yeah. that can be and i we haven't you know going forward i'm guessing this has not made you stop being a novak fan i don't know I, I, it's tough to even think because there's no tennis right now so like the idea of him being a tennis yeah. player is kind of abstract in a way but um yeah what, what do you think this will mean for your for your fandom going forward yeah well i mean i, I don't intend to stop being a novak fan but yeah. It doesn't. It definitely does make you more cautious about like promoting this person to other people, because you know if they ask you like, well, what do you think about his anti-vax views? And you're like, well, you know, I can't say that you're. I think you're a smart person, or I think that you're, <laughs> no. you know, like, um, you know, one of the more thoughtful players on tour. When this is like the opinions that you're taking, it makes it hard to. It makes it hard to make a case for Novak to other people. But this is, this is um, another sort of concept that I think is also important in modern society is this mm-hmm. idea of like being it's OK to have a quote unquote problematic fave in mm, some yeah. ways. Like it's oh, it's totally again, this goes to politics and stuff, too. Like everything is about these purity tests these days. Mm. And I do think it is OK for there to be a, a person, whether it's politics, whether it's you know pop culture, whether it's whatever, um, mm. you know, whether it's, you know, all the way up to people who people think of as being like totally untouchable, like Beyonce or something yeah. like you know, like for you to recognize, hey, I really, really like this person and stan this person, mm. you know, to use the, as the kids say, even though I'm, <laughs> I'm sure I use that word myself, but it's, uh, you know, and still think, hey, but, you know, I really, I did not, what they did on, you know, 
even just from a basic level, like I don't like this one song of hers or mm. I don't like in Beyonce's example or album of hers, or I thought that outfit short of the Met Gala was silly, or I, you know, wish she didn't, you know, uh, I don't know, talk, you know, not give interviews. I'm thinking of Beyonce here for no reason, but like not give interviews or like, mar- you know, mm. put up a Jay-Z or whatever. And so there's, you know, you, no one is infallible. And I think the faster yeah. that you recognize that about people, even your faves, Mm. I think it's, it's really useful and it's just kind of a nuance and uh, uh, nothing is black and white in the world at all. Yeah. And, and there are people who, you know, obviously people who exploit that, like this guy and try to like thrive on the confusion, but there's also just fans who should be able to realize like, Hey, like just because I have a crocodile in my username on Twitter, just because I do this, this and this, and you know, it does not mean that like, I shouldn't still be a critically thinking human being that I shouldn't still be in charge of my own mind and in charge of my own thoughts and you know and maybe people are going to say like oh this is all novak is saying novak is just saying keep open-minded or whatever and like yes he is but at the same time there are much as yeah. black and white there you really there is a very black and white answer to can you change water molecules with your mind and the answer is a hard no 100 percent. yeah so yeah so it, it's, yeah. it's a balance there but i think i think at least the two of us i think we're on the same page here yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, like I'm, I'm thankful that I'm able to I, I, like I'm able to separate this, this kind of stuff. And the people who I, I interact with on Twitter are able to separate this kind of stuff. But I would also say, and this is like kind of a side point, is there are kind of like a lot of other fandoms like who are kind of watching this and getting involved in it, um, like, say, the Federer fandom, who are kind of like watching it and dissenting it. And this is like kind of what, what fandom does. They're kind of watching it and they're criticizing it. But they also kind of love it because they love to see Novak engage in this kind of like public humiliation. <laughs> seeing him brought down. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like as much as they'll, they'll kind of like virtue signal about like, oh, this is so um, this is so harmful. And think about the people who he's take who he's taking for a ride. And, you know, Novak's really irresponsible for doing this. They also like low key enjoy it because. Novak is destroying his credibility in a very public way. <laughs> so they're kind of like, yeah, keep going, <laughs> you know? So that, you know, there's also that angle to it as well. But like, um, from my own perspective, I'm not going to stop being a fan, but it's also like, this is a side of him that I don't like. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. The people, people, you're so right about that sort of, you know, people yeah. cheering his downfall and, Mm. Again, not to zoom everything out to politics, but stuff happens all the time, obviously, when some like rival politician, you know, Mm. from the party you don't like gets caught with, you know, you know, 18, you know, hookers in a hotel room, like (laughs) you dance and cheer, even though this is not a good thing by any means, Mm. but you're sort of just happy to see, you know, your, your rivals or your, your opposites or who you, your antagonists in your life, whatever Mm. shape they may take, you know, get, um, get brought down. So yeah, so it's, there's a lot of a lot of negative energy and so I'm sure it's doing ugly things to the water around us. But, you know, as, as, as one, as one person, as one fellow Australian Frith wrote on Twitter, um, Novak shouldn't believe the stuff about the water, you know, being changed by emotions, because if that was the case, every time he played Roger Wimbledon, the crowd would have turned him into a pile of sludge. Like <laughs> it, it's like, and, 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 and it sort of goes full circle, which is again, why I admire Novak that he has been so resilient and strong and tough through a lot of negative energy sent his way. Um, mm. But this, this just seemed like a real, a real escalation and a real sort of problem for him to be co-opted like this. And yeah, so it's been, yeah. it's been occupying my mind for 
last eight days or so. Um, mm. And I was actually like kind of like tuned in intentionally to this today's talk with this guy to see what it was um, going to be about or what I'm going to contain. And um, yeah, I just don't want to have to be like, I want to be able to sort of trust Novak again, that he can make good choices for himself on his social media. And mm. right now um, as someone who is a very influential, influential, successful voice in the sport I cover, um, I'm hoping that he, yeah, I'm hoping that he finds ways to part himself with this and to separate himself from this yeah. in, a, in, a, in a meaningful, definite, if graceful or not, just in a, in a, in a clear mm. way. So anyway, Katrina, thank you very much for, for being up for talking here. Any other, any other last points uh, before I uh, wrap this up? No, I mean, thank you for having me on. Um, I think it's good to get this, like, <laughs> these kind of perspectives out there because it's clearly, you know, it's dividing a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. And and this is a time, again, like I have very little appetite in the world right now for, and I think the world has shown this too, like for, and I think the Alison Roman controversy showed this very clearly. Yeah. I don't know if you're following that one, but like, I think people, myself included, have very little appetite right now for like meanness or cruelty in mm. this moment we're all living in together um, or bullying at the same time. But this, again, to me, is just sort of crossing a crossing a line where it becomes dangerous people again in this time of vulnerability and confusion and everything. Um, so yes. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. Thank you again, Katrina. Everyone can follow you at return winner on Twitter search for the handle. Cause it's always tough finding you on Twitter. Cause you always have like an emoji and I can't search that. And I can remember which emoji it is on a given day. So it's uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. you're a little elusive, but thank you for being found and discovered and uh, sharing with us here, your perspective. Really appreciate it. No problem. So thank you so much to Katrina for being on the show. And thank you all for listening to this episode of No Challenges Remaining. If you want to follow Katrina, first of all, you should. Uh, at Return Winner is her handle. NCR is on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis. I'm there at Ben Rothenberg. Courtney is there at 40 Deuce Twits. You can also reach us with your questions, comments, thoughts, whatever, on email. No Challenges Remaining at gmail.com. Best way to do that. We are also on Patreon. And we want to thank our wonderful patrons on patreon for helping us out so much during these times especially when our normal jobs have ceased we really do appreciate you guys and your generosity and your continuing support of our little show special shout out to our new patreon backers since our last episode who are rachel perry rachel perry is the one since the last episode so thank you very much rachel for joining on really appreciate it if you want to follow along we do do occasional patreon only content we're probably doing some more at some point soon courtney and i look forward to that we also still are going to do the uh ncr vision results show that is coming soon probably will repost ncr vision the show itself to get you guys refreshed on that one of my favorite episodes ever celebrating tennis music the eurovision song contest would have been held this week in rotterdam were it not for the coronavirus so this is a nice time to to re-up our celebration of of music and making it competitive and silly in the eurovision spirit uh also one more thing on Patreon, shout out to our uh, Slam Champ backers who get shout outs, shout outs on every episode who are Mary Carrillo, Liz Kinnell, Jonathan Weinbaum, Betty and Chuang Nguyen. And also thanks to our GOAT backer, J-O-D. We will be with you in the future. Hope everyone out there is doing as well as possible in these odd times to be alive and that your indoor lives are keeping you stimulated and satiated as best you possibly can be. Bye, guys. Bye.